we are starting a series, uh, an Advent series. And if you're wondering what does Advent mean, that just means coming or arrival. And so we are uh, just here to celebrate and to kind of lead up to Christmas, which is just the coming and arrival of, of Jesus, his, his first coming, uh, the divine made flesh. And so um, we will be, uh, as we go through the series, we'll be looking at love, hope, peace, and joy. And today... We are going to start the series going over love. So I, I grew up in the 80s, and um, the first game system I had was the original Nintendo. Woo! And so, yes, 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 all you 80s guys out there. All right, who's in the 80s? Come on. Yes, all right, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. All right, so um, the original Nintendo system, uh, it, it was awesome, and um, but... You know, compared to, to today's standards, it's kind of simple. And so if you're playing a multiplayer game, you, you have kind of basically two options. Either player one goes, player two sits there and does nothing, player one keeps playing, okay, they died, player two, now you're up, and you know, it's just that one screen. Or then there was games like Contra. And so um, you are basically on the same screen at the same time, but... If, like, one guy started to get too high, you know, it's like you just had to stop and wait for this guy. You couldn't go, or if you're like, oh, hey, wait up, you know, wait up for me. Okay, well, jump. Well, I can't jump, man. You know, you got to move back down. You got to jump back up there. So, and I still remember the code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start, 3DX for me. That's the secret code for Contra. So, um, yeah, I had some time on my hands, apparently. Um, and then, uh, then I got into college. And then Xbox came. And some of my friends called me and they're like, hey, you got to come over. We've got this huge game system thing set up. We're going to play Halo. And I was like, oh, this sounds awesome. And so I get there, and it was crazy. They had multiple TVs all around the room, like five TVs, and then all these cords, you know, trying to connect the, the, the TVs to the different game systems and all this stuff. And that wasn't super amazing back then. And so... Um, so all this stuff's connected, and, and then on each TV screen, it would be divided into four littler screens. And so each player was playing all at the same time, and each had their own screen. And so they're like, oh, cool, jump in. Here's a remote. And I was just like, look at it. I'm, uh, I'm surrounded by all these screens, and I'm like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. Uh, and so because I didn't know who I was, I didn't really know how to interact with, with the game. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know who I was with or any of that. And so um, for us today, what do we need to know so that we can properly interact with those around us? So I invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. It's kind of to the back. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you got to, you guessed it, 2 John, you've gone a little too far too. So 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> Excuse me, we'll pick it up in verse 7. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so first point, first observation is God is love. And I'm thinking, where did you, where did you get that? That's so creative. It's in the text. So, um... <laughs> So John, he's an author that writes a lot about love, and for him to answer this question about what is love, 
John takes us to the source of love, God. And he says, excuse me, love is from God. God is the source of love. Love comes from God. But when John says love comes from God, that doesn't mean it's like love comes from God like mail comes from the mailman or books come from Amazon. He's saying this is who God is. This is his nature, his character. And so it'd be like heat comes from a fire. Or light comes from the sun. Those things are it. So like the fire gives heat because it is heat. Right? The sun gives light because it is light. And God loves because God is love. It's who he is, his character, his nature. And so but also when John says this, it's not just like, hey, this is some kind of fluffy, floaty thing. God's love. Yay, he's pretty cool. It's who he is within himself. And so God isn't just, he's one God, but he's three persons. He's a trinity. Okay? He's in a perfect, loving relationship within himself. That's who he is. That is his nature. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All in perfect unity, perfect love relationship within himself, three persons, one God. God has never been alone. It's not like, oh, why'd God create the earth? I don't know, man. He's he's just kind of alone. He's just lonely. Like, no. God was in this perfect relationship within himself, Trinity. And so, he's in this perfect relationship, and and this is important for us to get, for us to really grasp the reality that God is love, because that's who he is in his nature, then we need to see more of his nature than he is Trinity. And so, think a little bit about how does the Trinity actually interact within himself. And so we see, I mean, let's just look at it. Jesus says, hey, I'm not here to just say my own words. I'm only saying the words that my Father has given me to say. And it's actually, it's actually better for me to go, Jesus, because you get the Spirit. He, he will comfort you. He will guide you. He will dwell in you. And the Spirit's like, I'm reminding you of what Jesus said. And and also, I'm going to testify to your heart, to your spirit, and you're going to cry out, Abba, Father. But then the Father says, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. I love him. Listen to him. Also, this is my spirit. Do not grieve him. And, And Jesus, he gives glory to the Father. The Father exalts the Son and honors him. And we see this. I mean, just play out this this perfect love relationship in the Trinity, giving honor to one another. There's no selfishness. There's complete openness. Giving of themselves to one another. And so when John says God is love, this is what he's talking about. God is love in himself, in this relationship. It is his nature, his character, even as the Trinity. And, And so God can't not love, because that's who he is. That's who he's always been. And, and so one of the things, you might be reading this, and, and you hear uh, this text, and you might think, okay, well, hey, wait a minute. It says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And if you don't love, you don't know God. So does this mean that everybody who loves knows God? Because I, I know some people, and man, I mean, they do a great job of loving their kids, loving their spouse, loving other people. But they definitely don't know love. They don't know Jesus. 
So, so can they love? And, and just to, to try to clear this up, people who don't know Jesus can love. It, it, it is um, because, I mean, we've all experienced love in, in some way, and everybody is made in an image of God. And so because of that, God has enabled us to love other people in a relational sense, kind of at a general level. But if you don't know Jesus, your love is always going to be limited because you're not connected to the source of love, God. And if you're not connected to it, you, your love is just going to be hindered. And also, when we really know how much we are loved, then we're able to love. And so if you know Jesus and his love for you, then you can love like Jesus loves you, right? You've experienced that deep love of Christ, and then you can love others. And so, um, so believers, if we know the love of Jesus, if we're connected to the source of love of God, then we can love in, in a much deeper and a much more complete and a much more amazing way. We can sacrifice our, ourselves for one another, give ourselves to one another, um, just the way that, that Jesus has for us, because we're connected to, to God, who's the source of love. And so John here, he is talking to believers, to those who have trusted in Christ, who know him, and he's, he's taking us somewhere. And he's saying, hey, you've got to get this, you've got to know this. God is love. He is the source of love. And um, then he continues in verse 9. And he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest or made known, was shown among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, in today's culture, when we talk about love, a lot of times we're talking about, like, how does this other person make me feel? Right? Well, I love them because this, they believe the best in me. Or, or I love how I feel when I'm around them. Or they, um, they bring out the best in me. Um, I love them because they have a great sense of humor, because I like hanging out with them. And, and basically, most, I mean, pretty much most all the time, we love somebody because they're lovable. Right? And so, like, my wife, Christy, um, I totally love her now. I did go to this today, but, but I didn't always love her, Okay? Um, before she was my wife, I didn't always love um, And so when I met her, I was like, I don't know you. I don't know if I love you or anything like that. Um, but, hey, you seem cool. Um, hey, how you doing? Pretty attractive. What's up? Um, so uh, she, had, she had a good sense of humor. She laughed at my jokes. Hey, she loves Jesus. Um, hey, I'm, I'm kind of I'm liking you. This is starting to kind of progress here. Um, I mean, then she says, I'm like, hey, what's your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Dumb and Dumber. That just clinched it. That, yeah, I mean, I love you. I love you. you know? that, that probably just sent me over the top. Um, and so I, I started to eventually love her. But the love that God has for us is so much bigger and deeper than that. So in verse 9, when he says Jesus, or, or that God sent Jesus into the world. I mean, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas. Jesus being born. The, the divine taking on flesh. Jesus Coming into our mess, coming into the darkness, seeking us out. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is coming to save us, to give us life. And then in verse 10, it says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. 
And so God doesn't just love us because we're lovable. Because we have something to give to God. God doesn't look at us and be like, man, they're so, they're so great, they're so fun, and they have great senses of humor. Now I love them. That's not what is going on. God knows all of our darkness, all of our sin. He's aware of all of it. We're not, we, we weren't seeking after God. We wanted nothing to do with them. And God is saying, I love you. It's not that you loved me or that you have something to offer me. I loved you because that's who I am. Love starts with God. Not with how lovable we are. Because that's who he is. And, and, and then how do we know that love? John is saying the cross. Because God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And, and so, like, love isn't just some emotion. I mean, it involves emotions, but it's not just some emotion. It requires action. And so God is love, and then he acts in love, sending his son. That love is shown. And in Romans 5, 8, it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we weren't seeking him, while we aren't lovable, while we aren't good, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He was sent to die for us. And here John says, he's, he's our propitiation. I mean, you might be looking at the word and be like, what is that? And it means that, that Jesus came to bear the punishment of our sin. See, God is holy, he is just, he is good. And he hates sin. He has anger towards sin. Because he is good. Because he's holy. And every single one of us have sin. And, and, and God hates that. And because he hates it, there has to be a penalty. He's good. He's just. And Jesus has our propitiation saying, hey, that penalty, that punishment that you should have for your sin, I'm going to take that on myself. I'll satisfy, I'll, I'll, I'll satisfy God's anger towards your sin so that then he can look at me in anger so that he can look at you in favor. Right? God is saying, I love you like that. I will die for you. And, and earlier in, in 1 John it said this, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. Jesus, I died in your place. I'm going to lay down my life for you. And again, this is not because we have something to offer God. It's not because we worship God so well or anything like that or because we come to church. It's because that's who God is. And so he shows us his love in the cross. And, and now many of you might be thinking like, yeah, I know that. Right? You've heard that. You've heard the gospel. You've heard Jesus loves you. All of these things for your whole life, and you might be thinking like, "Yeah, I think I got that figured out." But love isn't just some fluffy thing that we're talking about. It's deep. It's personal. God's love reaches to the lowest places. The the, the love's the most far off. Even Paul says this love of God it's beyond understanding. So it's not something that we can totally even figure out. It's not just some puddle that we can splash around in. It's, it's, it's like an ocean that we can dive, continually dive deeper and deeper and deeper in to discover how big it is. This is who God is. What he's done for us. What he continues to do for us. He is love. And the cross is the epitome of showing us that love of God. 
So we see that God is love. He shows his love. And then verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And now we, we might read these passages and think like, okay, so we're supposed to imitate Jesus, right? He did this, I do that. And that's just, I just, he loves like this, so I'm supposed to love like that. That's just what I'm supposed to do, imitation. And God is, or, or John is saying, it's actually really much so much bigger than that. It's not just about imitation, it's about realization. Not just about what you need to do. Do this, do this, but to be something. Realize who we are. And so look at look at this text. Look at how it starts and look at how it ends. What's the first word in verse 7? If you if you got a Bible or pen, I want you to underline that, circle that, draw arrows to it, and beloved. Beloved. We also see that in verse 11. Underline, draw that, highlight it. Beloved. John is calling those who have trusted in Christ, he's calling the church the beloved. And he's used this word several times in this book. Now, where else do we see this word in the Bible? When Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water, then he hears the Father speaking over him and he says, This is my beloved Son in whom I love and am well pleased. God the Father calls Jesus the Son his beloved. And that's what we are. We are God's children. And, and, and John here is saying, the way that God loves Jesus, God the Father loves God the Son Jesus, that's how he loves you. You're his beloved. And in John 17, this is what Jesus prays. I mean, he says um, I am them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. And here it is. So that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved them even as you have loved me. God loves you like he loves Jesus. But I mean, you might be thinking, like, how can that be? Really? How can that be? I mean, I get it. God is love, and he, he is. So think about this. He's, he's God the Father, God the Son. He's the Trinity in perfect relationship to himself. And then out of that perfect relationship, God is love. And then out of that relationship, he sends his Son into darkness, into the world, into our mess. And he saves us. He gives us new life, just like it says in verse 9, that we might live through him. He gives us this new life. Earlier it said that we've been born of God. And he brings us into that relationship within the Trinity. You were once far off, and you, now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Into that. Because Jesus paid the price for us, he gives us new life brings us into relationship with himself. And so we are in this relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And now we can be loved with that same love that God the Father has for the Son because we are in the Son. We are in Christ because of what he has done for us. 
God loves you. I mean, like, pause and really think about that. We say that, we, you know, oh yeah, God loves me. But I mean, really think about it. God loves you. God, the creator of the universe, the one who knows every single hair on your head, every sin you've committed, all of your brokenness. God, the one who died in your place. God, the one who speaks and stars come into existence. God, the beginning and the end loves you the way that he loves his son. He loves you. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more, and there's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. He loves you like he loves Jesus. My beloved, you are mine, and I am yours. I love you. And, and so John isn't just saying to us, hey, do this, but he's pointing, this is who you are. We are made alive in the love of God. Who we are is different. So when John says there in verse 11, you ought to love one another, he's not just saying like, hey, you ought to do this so because that's just the right thing to do, so do it. He is saying, do this because this is who you are. It's similar to God. God is love, so he has to love because that's who he is. That's his nature. Likewise, God has changed us, who we are. We are in the love of God because he's made us something different. Now we love. And so he says, you ought to do this. It's like a fish ought to swim. Like a bird ought to fly. That's just what they do. That's who they are. And because God has put his nature in us, his character in us, his spirit in us, we're changed. We love. We're living out who God has made us. And you, and you might be thinking, okay, Mark, well, what does that love look like? Okay, well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a new creation. This is... My, my new self, and so uh, I'm going to love because that's who I am, but what does that look like? It, it looks like the love of Christ. It looks like that because it is God's love in and through you. And so look at verse 12. You know, it says, no one has ever seen God. That seems kind of, kind of weird in this passage. It just seems random. Like, John, what are you thinking here? But why does he put that there? No one has ever seen God. And in one sense, we totally haven't. Yeah, we haven't seen that. But there is a sense that we all have, and we've seen God through Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God in bodily form. So how do we see the love of God? Well, we see it through Jesus. And for people today, how do they see the love of Jesus? Through us. Through you and me. God living and loving through us. We represent Jesus to others. And, and that is how God's love is perfected in us. That's what he says there at the end of the verse. God, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Because God's love in us, towards us, is doing what it's meant to do. It's changing us. Changing who we are. Changing how we see everything. And then that love is being reproduced and going out to others. That's what that love being perfected is. When we love people, we're pointing them to the source of love, God. We're pointing them to Jesus. I mean, in John 13, this is what Jesus says. He says, the new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how the world going to see Jesus? How the world is going to know that we belong to Jesus? By our love for one another. God is love. He shows, so God is love. He shows his love. We are in Christ. We are in God's love. Therefore, we show the love of God. We show it to others. And, and so John is saying that this, this, this vertical love that God has for us, it's so big, so impacting, that it changes not just the way we act, but it changes who we are. And because it changes who we are, then it changes and impacts our love towards others. It has to go out because who you are, this is what you have to do. This is who God has made you. This, there's really not an option. And, and now, now some of you might be thinking like, okay, Ricky, this is great. Um, God's changing me who I am. Um, then I love others because that's who I am. But man, I don't really do a great job of that. I don't really feel like I love other people super well. Or if you're thinking, hey, this is great. I want to grow in, in showing my love towards others. How, how can I do that? Now, here's what I tell you. If you really want to grow in loving others, know that you are loved. Dive deeper and deeper into God's amazing love for you. And I know you're thinking, well, that sounds pretty churchy. And you're right, it does. I can't really gloss over that. Um, but it does. But if you don't know of God's amazing vertical love for you, that he has for you, then you're going to leverage your horizontal relationships to get that love. You're going to act in certain ways to get that love from others, that validation, that acceptance, that affirmation from others. I mean, maybe that's just getting them to think that you're great, them liking you. Maybe you're going to do things that even have the appearance of love, but really you're doing them to get something from them. Maybe you're doing it to get even something physical from them. If I do this, then they'll just give me that. And sadly, I've done that. Because I wasn't resting in God's love for me, I was looking for it somewhere else. And I was like, hey, if I do this, if I say this, if I act that way, maybe then I can get that affirmation and that validation that I'm looking for. Because we're not resting in God's love for us. And, and if we're not really resting in God's love for us, it won't only impact our horizontal relationships, it's going to impact our vertical relationship with God. Because if we don't really know how much God loves us, what am I going to do? I'm going to perform for God to make sure that I know how much he loves me and that he thinks I'm okay. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God is constantly just disappointed in you? Do you think that God doesn't like you? And that God just kind of When you look in the mirror and you, you think, what does God think of me? And if you think that God doesn't really like what he's looking at, it's because you're not resting in the fact that you're in Christ. That he loves you because that's who he is. We have to continue to dive deeper and deeper into that. 
Because he doesn't love you because you, you're lovable or anything like that, but just because that's who he is. And we can rest in that secure, steadfast, amazing, big love of God. And when we do so, then our, our relationship with God is so much better and our relationship with others is so much better because I'm not seeking to get something from you. I already have it in God because I know who I am. Let me go back to my Halo analogy. Okay? With the video game. <clears throat> when I show up and I just get a, put a remote in my hand, I don't start focusing on just doing stuff. Right? If I start doing that and just start pushing buttons, I'm probably I'm just gonna start spraying bullets and probably shoot my own teammates and everything. And I need what I need to do first is find out who I am. Who am I? Once I know who I am, then I know how to interact with others. That's the same way for us. If I really know who I am, then I know how to interact with those around me. I don't just focus on being better. Or making sure that I can love people really well and, and do all that and hit all the checks. Because if I can do it just on my own, if I can just modify my behavior to love other people so well, then I don't need to know how much God loves me. I don't even really need the love of God because I can just do it on my own. But we need the love of God. We need to know how much he loves us and the more and more that we focus on that, that we are his beloved, the more and more we're going to know who we are. God's love, God's big, huge, you didn't earn it, you can't increase it. God's pursuing, forgiving, sacrificial, steadfast, while I was still a sinner, why not at my worst? God's, he would rather die than live without you love for you. Jesus says in John 15, abide in God's love. John, or Paul in Ephesians, he says, I'm praying this for you, church. I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. I want you to comprehend this. But guess what? It's beyond your comprehension. It surpasses knowledge, but I still want you to know it. The height depth, length of God's amazing love for you. I'm praying this for you, church. Know this. You've got to know it. John, John in earlier in chapter 3 of 1 John, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given us and lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The more and more we really know of the love that God has for us, the more we act like it. The more that we just will live it out. We won't be focusing so much on ourselves because we're in Christ and His love. Brendan Manning, in his book, Abba's Child, he says this, Make the Lord and His immense love for you constitute your personal worth. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. If I, if, if I draw a meaning of my life in, from any other place, from any other place than God's love for me, that I'm loved by God, I'm going to be spiritually dead. 
be loved by God, know the love of God, or you won't love. But the more that we know, the more that we know that God loves us, the more that we will love. If you're here today and you're thinking, man, I don't really know the love of God. I, I don't really know Jesus. I don't really know him. I haven't trusted in him. I haven't trusted in him as my Savior. I want you to know that he loves you, not because you're sitting in church today. He loves you not because you're, you're good or because you're lovable or because you haven't done really bad things. And also, he, he will love you if you've done really bad things. God knows all of it. He knows your brokenness more than you do. But God loves you because that's who he is. And he loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to be crucified on the cross, and to pay the price for your sins so that you might know him, so that you might know his love for you. You don't have to spend your life trying to earn something from God, trying to be good enough, trying to go to church enough, none of that. You can be saved from your sin and be saved to a relationship with God by trusting in what God has done for you, not what you if you are, if you have a trust in Christ and you're just thinking about this, if you have questions, if, if you're like, yeah, I don't know, maybe I, this seems weird, I'd like to ask some questions, please do. Please find someone here. Talk to me, find, find just anyone here and just say, and I just don't know, how can I really trust in Christ? How can I know this love for me? Don't hesitate. In church, if we're to become a church that loves people, People and loves people really well, it's going to be because we know how much God loves us. It's because we are just totally blown away by the amazing love of God for us. If you or I are going to love, love each other with the love of Christ, it's because the incredible love of God has for us. I mean, imagine if we all really understood this. Imagine if we all really understood how much God loves for us, what would that look like amongst us? We'll be patient. We'll be kind. We won't boast. We won't be arrogant. We won't insist on having everything our own way. We won't be resentful. We'll bear with each other. We'll forgive each other. We'll pray for one another, encourage one another, serve one another, love one another, bear each other's burdens. We'll forgive others because we're His forgiven children. We'll sacrifice for each other because he sacrificed himself for us. We'll deny ourselves and give our lives to each other because he first loved us and he gave his life so that we might live in him. If we really grasp this, I think we would be absolutely changed. And then the world would see that and they would say, 